Yo, Danny, what up? How's it going? Hey, Theo, I'm doing super well. How about you? You know, just living life in Toronto, listen to podcasts. I was listening to the latest Deep Look episode. Did you have a chance to listen to it? Yes, it was amazing. Like the episode itself was was great, but there was this whole minute where they talked about Canadian Ultimate. I lost my mind. It was so great. Yo, speaking of minds, a thought just popped into my brain. What if we took that one minute of Canadian content and made it into a podcast of a whole hour? You know what? Huckin' A, that's a good idea. Hey everyone, I'm Theo Wan. And I'm Danny Proby. And this is UltiWorld's newest podcast, Huckin' A. Your coast-to-coast guide for all things Canadian Ultimate. We hope you join us. Welcome to Eurozone, the podcast about European Ultimate. I'm Ravi Vasudevan, joined here by Liam Grant. Uh, Liam, how are things going in Ireland? Yeah, things are well. Things are well. We haven't spoken a little bit. Doing all right. I'm actually very tired, as you pointed out before the podcast. I've been working loads as a vaccinator at the moment. So a vaccinator? Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned on the last podcast that you got vaxxed or... Um, uh, yeah, what, what exactly got you to the front of the line? Because I don't think your age group in Ireland is quite getting vaxxed for everybody right now. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm an EMT, so I guess you're healthcare professional. That got me to the line. I'd already signed up. I knew it was going to be starting. I started a few weeks ago vaccinating people, but I knew that for a while. So I guess that's one of the reasons why they vaccinated me, because I'm vaccinating other people now. So yeah, I've been doing a lot of people. did about 50 people today. 50 wow. people jabbing. Jabbing hard. So you're jabbing. You're, you're yeah. really jabbing people. That's, that's all I'm doing is jabbing yeah. people. Someone <laughs> else does the paperwork. I just come in and stab them and <laughs> kick them out the door, basically. Yeah, it's nice. It's fun. Most people are really positive and happy and kind of stoked to be in it. It's mostly older age group we're doing at the moment. So it's kind of sweet. I'm jabbing everyone's grannies and granddads or parents and stuff. Some people are scared of needles. That's the only thing that's kind of bad. There's been like no severe reactions or anything like that but some people are mildly terrified of needles but stab them away is what i do how's the how's the vaccine rollout going in ireland right now do you know like it's starting to pick up or like they've opened up a lot of the centers like the one i'm working in so it's picking up a lot i think after this week i think everyone over the age of 60 has got it now i think next week they're going to do a quarter of a million people hopefully a day we're, we're pretty much in line with the european average whether that's good or bad. It's bad. Uh, it's it's bad. bad. Like yeah. The European average is bad. Yeah. So we're we're on the European average. So yeah, in, prob- France they, in France, they announced that um, everybody under 50, so my age group, will start to be allowed to get vaccines on the 15th of June. So that's basically every adult under 50. So I think it's over from 18 to 50. I have no idea whether that means I can get a vaccine like mid-June or whether that means like there's going to be a huge rush there'll be a huge waiting period I have no idea but that's I'm I'm crossing my fingers hoping that I can get vaccinated sometime in at least get the first dose in mid-June and be vaccinated by August you're never getting vaccinated you're <laughs> bottom of the pile yeah of the yeah. podcast hosts you're you're not doing too well in the old vaccine queue no no Charlie mentioned he got vaccinated already I think Pat and Tad also both got vaccinated so yeah I'm 
We're, we're going to have a podcast party without you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a bummer. So people might notice this week, the last two, last three, I think, podcasts, we have live streamed the recording. And we weren't able to do that this week, partially because Liam was so busy that we had to do this last minute and didn't have time to set things up again. But I wanted to put this out to our listeners. If you hear this, I'm just curious what your feedback is. Do, do you enjoy that we're live streaming this thing out? Does it take something away from the podcast? Does it add to it? Just just let us know. I think we've had a lot of fun doing it. We're hoping to, I think, well, right now Liam's in this vaccine frenzy, so I don't know what maybe when that's over will be more regular, but we're trying to get a trying to get a system where we're live streaming Monday nights every other week. So yeah, put this out there to those listeners. What do you think about that? Do you, do you, do you think that's a, that's a cool idea? Something you, you'd be interested in, in joining? It's, it's nice for us. I think the nice part is that we can kind of interact with the audience as we're recording. So sometimes there'll be a question that we didn't realize and someone will put it in there and we can just kind of guide the podcast that way. Yeah, what are your thoughts? I mean, this was kind of your idea, Liam, to, to start doing this this way. How you thought it gone so far? I think it's gone okay. I think there's been certain episodes. I think we had the Scots on. There was yeah. a lot of interaction. A lot of time now, the interaction is just John Doc talking nonsense. But that's okay <laughs> as well. well. Let's be honest. All our listeners are probably pretty wacky like John. So happy to have the chats. I, I guess I, I listen to a good few podcasts and some of them do this as well. They, they live stream their podcasts and still release in podcast form. So I want to do that. I think both of us are pretty used to doing live broadcasts that... Yeah, it's not too much for stretch to do the combo. You get weird situations where we're maybe chatting to people in the comments or talking about stuff in screen, and maybe it's, that could take away from the podcast. But I think overall, it's, it adds to it. It's kind of it's kind of fun as well. And the main reason we're not doing it today is because I look as sleepy as I sound, and nobody <laughs> wants to. Uh, <laughs> nobody wants I get to, to see, see that. that. Right now, yeah, but no one else. No exclusive, one else <laughs> exclusive content for you, Ravi. <laughs> Yeah, so let us know. Also, we've been doing it on Twitch. Um, I think most of Ulti World is they're trying to do their kind of live stuff on Twitch. People let us know if that works for them. Maybe if you'd rather us do it on another platform. We were thinking about trying to just live stream directly on our Facebook page because that's kind of how we interact with our fans. That's where most of our interaction is in Europe is, is on Facebook. So let us know if you think that would like make it super convenient. Just any comments you have about live streaming the recording of the podcast in general. If you haven't listened to it live yet, it's it's pretty similar to this. You can see our faces. You can see whoever we're interviewing. If we have somebody on, it's a little bit more raw, a little less edited because we don't have Claire and her team trimming things down and making us sound a little more conversational. It's a good time and you can interact with us and, and ask us questions. So keep that in mind. I think what we're going for, we'll see if we actually hold ourselves to this. But like I said, every other Monday, so starting two weeks from now, I guess, and around 8 p.m., 9 p.m., Central European time is probably when we'll be starting. Another couple small things to talk about at the, the beginning of the show. I just got note uh, I was supposed to play in Swiss Nationals, but the Swiss Ultimate Association just announced that the Swiss championships that were supposed to take place in June for the Open and Women's Divisions have been canceled. They didn't mention anything there, what that means for WCC qualifications. But yeah, the, the reason they canceled it was that like it looks like things might be safe to have at that point. But in different parts of Switzerland, practice isn't allowed yet. Some parts it is, some parts it isn't. And they said, like, we don't want to have an official national championship if teams don't have at least four weeks to practice beforehand. And they couldn't guarantee that at this point. So that's, that's kind of why they canceled it. They're still going to maybe have like a Swiss cup that isn't official, but maybe people will still just like treat that as a 
spiritual <laughs> nationals that, that you know, isn't a real nationals. But yeah, Swiss championships have canceled. I think I heard as well from somebody that France has canceled their championships as well this year. So I'm curious what t- what countries are going to do for for world clubs, because I think you right now, most countries haven't had any championships since 2019, which was just after the last world clubs in 2018. So so really a long time ago to use that as qualification. And a lot of countries usually have their at least open in women's nationals in the spring. And some people do their mixed in the fall. But, you know, I've seen some countries that seem to just be canceling their open and women's nationals. So, yeah, I'm curious what this means for WCC yeah. qualifications if you can't have that going on. What's your opinions, Liam? I, I have some clarification on this actually for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 For Swiss uh, nationals, for qualification for WCC for Switzerland, they're doing it. Whoever has the most money is what they told me. <laughs> they're going to check. That's a tight race. That's a tight race in Switzerland. <laughs> they're going to check their Swiss bank accounts, which usually they don't do, but they're allowing it for this. And whoever has the most gold and Toblerones uh, gets to go. Which so is it's, kind not, of, it's not Swiss francs. You have to have it in gold and Toblerones. That's yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's the unit of currency there. <laughs> I think that's how it's been working anyway for most of the for most of the world's events, wherever the most money can go. So uh, I don't think that's going to change anything for them. <laughs> yeah, but aside aside from Switzerland, who have figured it out with the Swiss banks, do, do you know what Ireland's been doing? I guess your your championships aren't till the fall usually, right? Yeah, I thought that was normal until right now. <laughs> They're like. And surely, okay, I understand why they're cancelling their championships in June. Makes total sense. But is there a reason why they can't have them in September or or sometime around then? I don't see why uh, why you're cancelling fully. I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to justify what Switzerland do. I suppose they have their their mixed thing as well. I guess we're not having mixed nationals because we usually have we usually have mixed nationals. Now. I just thought about that. So I guess I'm still a mixed champion. I just realized that now. <laughs> that only dawned on me so now. Does, does Pelt does Pelt get the mixed bid to WCC from Ireland? Is that how that works? Or <laughs> starting to think it. Just <laughs> starting to think it now. I can't imagine we're going to play a mixed nationals anytime soon. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Announced here on the show, Pelt for WCC mixed. So yeah, I think like like I said, I think that's swapped for most countries I know. Most countries I know do the open women's in the spring and mixed in the fall, but Ireland does it the other way around. But yeah, I, I guess countries are going to have to have just kind of some one-off event where any country, any team that wants to go to world clubs can like be there. We're going to talk a little bit later about UCF and, and bids there are also going to be distributed in an interesting way. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think this is a really weird question. I think in, in USA, they also have yet to say what's going to happen for world qualifications i think at some point earlier in their communication they said that they weren't going to use nationals this year because a lot of people weren't comfortable playing nationals so yeah i guess countries have to figure something out that's like the biggest question i have right now is how are world clubs going to be next year with everybody doing really really strange seasons this year and is there going to be a fair approach to decide how your bids go out no, no, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking about bids going out in a weird way, the the EU the EUF has announced something this week. They were supposed to have a deadline of May 1st to decide whether or not to do the EUCF. And that, that deadline came and they basically said, yeah, we want to do it, but we're not deciding for sure yet because there's going to be some Bruges city council meeting on, I think it was June 15th. So... They have to wait for the Bruges City Council meeting to decide whether the city of Bruges will allow them to have this tournament 
or not. And they basically, one thing they did decide is because early on they were saying maybe they would split the tournament into three different divisions or something if, you know, big events weren't possible, but small events were. They have decided they're not going that route. So if it's happening, it's happening in Bruges. It depends a bit on, you know, what the Bruges City Council do. It's going to be on those Tom's Turney fields. Um, They're trying to get a tournament of 72 teams uh, with 32 open, 20 mixed and 20 women. And they're just going to give bids out to countries based on the country, the clubs from those countries performance at the last four UCF slash UCRs. I think I don't know exactly what algorithm they're going to use. They're going to find some way to take all the results from the past four years and, and dole out bids that way. So again, countries are going to have to be in some position to figure out how to dole out bids. I, I guess, what are your thoughts so far on, on whether you think this event can happen based on, based on what's going on right now? I'm hopeful it will happen. Uh, I'm I'm definitely leaning towards like as more people become vaccinated, trying to have outdoor sports. I think doing outdoor sports is a healthy thing if it's if it's safe to do it. Hard to know what that word safe means anymore, but <laughs> I I think like we're there's a a finish line in sight in terms of the vaccine rollout program. And look, when we have, let's say, the majority of people vaccinated in the EU, I think we should be trying to run events like this. That's that's my thoughts. I'm very hopeful. I think, as you said, it's it's a lot about working with, you know, local councils, committees, like you said, with the Bruges City Council. I imagine they're like meeting some dungeon wearing cloaks or like <laughs> or some cellar where they make Bruges. It's kind of a, it's a funny old city that I feel like there's something like that, how the council works and they sacrifice someone to the beer gods at the start of every uh, the council meeting. But yeah, I, I, I like the idea of being hopeful and trying to make this stuff happen. And look, if it can't go ahead, that sucks. But at least we tried and we should. I still think there's time and and the idea of it going ahead is a good thing to try and do. So yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. Still living in hope that we could have a good uh, European ultimate this this year. Yeah. It'd be great to be able to see the UCF happen. And I agree with you that I think I think it can happen. I think that by it's it's supposed to be the like between September and October. So that last weekend of September into October is when the tournament is supposed to take place. Um, by the way, the vaccine rollout's going now. I believe that that's a safe thing like that, that it should be possible by then, by the way, Europe's been rolling out their vaccines. The question is, can they make that call already in June? That's always the question. Like that was the same thing for Worlds that, you know, they had to make the call in December, whether it would be safe in July. I think it was the right call that that time because I still think July is too soon to have a Worlds event. But September, October, I'm feeling pretty confident that it could happen. I don't know what the Bruges City Council is going to decide. I have no idea how like conservative they are with these types of things. So we're, we're kind of at their at their whim here. I would love to have a tournament in Bruges. Bruges is a great place to host a tournament like this. They have great field sites. They really know how to organize something and they're going to make it like a big party too. They're going to try probably bring that Tom's Turney vibe to, to UCF, which I think especially this year would be quite nice to be able to have a party with all the all the ultimate community in Europe. Um, we'll see. We'll see. 72 teams. It's a big event. 32 open, 20 mixed, 20 women's. But again, I'm curious how countries are going to dole out their bids because one thing they said is that like I think people have to countries have to commit how many bids they want to take by like July 1st or something like that <laughs> but they don't have to give which teams qualified yet. So they're giving countries like a leeway to be like okay, if you if you say we're definitely going to take 3 bids, let us know and then 
you can you can have a qualifier after July 1st. I didn't I don't remember if there's a deadline for that. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. I, I think I think that countries can have this type of qualifiers probably between July and August or something like that. And then international competition hopefully can happen in September. We'll see. We'll see, Liam. Yo, Danny, what up? How's it going? Hey, Theo, I'm doing super well. How about you? You know, just living life in Toronto, listen to podcasts. I was listening to the latest Deep Look episode. Did you have a chance to listen to it? Yes, it was amazing. Like the episode itself was was great, but there was this whole minute where they talked about Canadian Ultimate. I lost my mind. It was so great. Yo, speaking of minds, a thought just popped into my brain. What if we took that one minute of Canadian content and made it into a podcast of a whole hour? You know what? Huck and A, that's a good idea. Hey everyone, I'm Theo Wan. I'm Danny Proby. And this is Ulti World's newest podcast, Huck and A. Your coast-to-coast guide for all things Canadian Ultimate. We hope you join us. Okay, I think that's most of the the newsy stuff. So we'll get to the the meat of what we want to talk about here on the show, which is Liam. You've gotten a second rule into the into the Wiftif rulebook. Well, kind of not the real official rulebook this time, but a bit of a, a bit of a caveat with that. But explain explain what's happened in in Wiftif news, Liam. Yeah, second of three of a third in sight as well. I'm going for going to make the hat trick. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get that strip hand signal in there someday, Ravi. That's going to be the hat trick. <laughs> That's what I'm holding out on. Yeah, we got the color vision deficiency in the bag. That one's locked in. And we're going to be testing uh, a new rule at World Games, which yeah. is great. Uh, something I've been throwing around a lot, and some people are really into it. Some people are not that into it. And uh, I don't know what we're calling it now. You had a good name in your article for it. The uh, Gender prescribed pulling. That's what Gender prescribed pulling, yeah. Yeah, it's an unusual rule. I guess you first have to understand the ratio rule A to fully grasp what what uh, we're going to be testing out, which uh, most people don't. That's that's one <laughs> that's one big problem with this this new rule is people don't fully understand the ratio rule A or even know what the World Games is. But uh, if you don't, uh, the World Games yeah is taking place in Alabama next year. Uh, eight countries taking part, and they'll be using this prescribed gender pulling rule. And yeah, so it means when there's when you have four women on the line the defensive team has to pull with women when there's four men on the line the team has to pull with a man that's that's a simple description of what it is so we'll end up with um you know the genders splitting evenly with pulls i i I think you have one thing where it could be yeah one team pulling more than the other so they might have more of the gender it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out but uh yeah it's a fun rule i i think i'd lead with we talked about this on the Athletes Commission, uh, the Women's Sport Commission chatted about this, the Rules Committee, and there was a lot of people who are great players, who I love and respect, uh, aren't, weren't that into it uh, across the board. I don't, I don't think I'm going to say that this rule was loved by all. So if you're out there, you're thinking like, I'm not into this, that's fine. I think that's you're, you're not alone or there's a lot of really great players who think that as well. But I think, you know, it was... Slightly over 50% of stuff, people actually thought this was a good rule. In the WIFDIF committees you're talking about. Yeah, in the WIFDIF committees, that was kind of the the look at it. But I think even more than that, we're interested in trying it out. I think a lot more were like, 
were convinced that the world games were you have kind of just elite players with, with no no commitment to doing it ever again, just one test thing and see how it goes. I think uh, a lot of people are open to that. And I, I'm very open to testing out rules, testing out changes. We've had rules come in and then come back. I know you remember the offside with pulling, how that, you know, the reverse brick mark and all that stuff that came in, that was taken away. Like rules are very dynamic. It can change. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I lead. If anyone has a different opinion on, on this, that's fine. That's, that's totally cool. And your opinion matters and it was listened to, but I think this is going to be class. That's my, <laughs> that's my own I, opinion. I think the key thing to, to you, you briefly mentioned it, but the, the key important thing is ratio rule A. So, I mean, I think most of our listeners understand ratio rule A, but that the, the, I don't think you explained it there, that ratio rule A is that each gender will pull twice and then you swap the genders to pull, to pull twice. So it's going to be like, you know, you'll start off with uh, four women, four, uh, three men, then the next two points will be four men, three women. Then the next two points will be four women, three men. And it'll keep going every two points that way for the whole game. So essentially, this means that half the pulls in a game will be by one gender and half the pulls in the game will be by the other gender. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can how much you can say about what people said in the the WIFDIF committee meetings. Were there I'm, I'm just curious about this because of, of what I've kind of seen online so far. Were there many women who didn't like this rule? in the people that you talk to in the, in these committees. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There was. Yeah. I think a lot of people were saying maybe this isn't the best way to support gender equity and this kind of, I think the same way, even when racial rule a came in, I think there was people who were, weren't that keen on that for, for a similar way. You know, I think a lot of good mixed players, I know weren't that keen on racial rule a or, even offense deciding, was it another offense, the end zone deciding? And there was a pushback, the same with that as well. So, yeah, no, there there definitely is. Uh, I'm not going to say who they were, because that's probably not no, fair. I'm, but I'm not, <laughs> I'll tell you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, from from the online discourse I've seen since this article got published about, about this news, I've seen the overwhelming majority of women be supportive of it and the the few voices of dissent I've seen publicly have been men. I don't know if that what you know that does, that's not representative of of everybody obviously, but I think I think both of us are fully for this rule. I mean, you you proposed this rule, so obviously you're for it. I think right when I heard about it, I was pretty much on board. It's just like, "Oh yeah, this just makes total sense to me." I think the key thing to to note is it's just like in mixed, both of you and I've I, both of us have played high level mixed. Both of us have commentated on high level mixed. It's like 99. I don't think it's even that much of an exaggeration. That 99% of the points that I've seen in high level mixed uh, have men pulling. Like, and that's that's just like it's just an, it's just the one aspect of the game. I mean, there's many aspects of the game that are not equitable and mixed, but it's like the one aspect of the game that I think is the most imbalanced in terms of what is there, and and it kind of. It's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy to me. It's a vicious cycle where people have this idea in their heads that that men can pull on average better than women. So therefore, women who get to play competitive mixed like never develop pulling because they they never like see themselves getting the opportunity to have to pull. So why would they work on it if you're never gonna if you're never gonna get to pull in a game? And I think that's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like oh, like the women who play mixed can't pull well. It's like yeah, because they know they're never gonna get to pull. So that's what I see happening. The other thing I really like about this rule is from a streaming point of view and a visibility point of view is that 
both of us know broadcasting a lot that there's always a zoomed in you know view of the polar during the stream so right now that high visible it's probably the most zoomed in thing except for maybe the person who scores but even then sometimes that's just a wide shot so it's probably the most visible aspect of the game and that in mixed is going 99% to men I think there's an imbalance there and I don't see any other way besides forcing teams to do it with this rule that would that would change that yeah no I'm I'm totally on board with you I think people who do have concerned about it just be be open be open to the idea it's going to happen now so just be open to the idea see what happens Let's all hope it goes well. You know, women have pulled before World Games and the, the game hasn't broken down. Nothing's gone wrong. So it's going to it's going to happen. and It's going to be fine. Nothing drastically is going to change. But yeah, I think I think for for me and you as well, go to open mind that maybe things won't go. It might be weird. We used to go just to go into it with a completely open mind and try and analyze it afterwards and and see how it works. But yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I think one thing as well, I think it adds a lot of value to let's say women with that skill set, they might be on a mixed team and they're a very good puller, but maybe, okay, maybe they do or they don't get the opportunity, but with this rule, maybe their their value increases. Let's say Elizabeth Mosquera, right? Everyone knows how good of a puller she is. Nobody's debating that. Would likely have pulled lots of times anyway, given this rule. I I think she might actually pull less with (laughs) this rule. (laughs) I think she might be the best puller that Colombia has. So I think she might put, like the men are going to get a chance on the team for Colombia at this point. Yeah, but I think, you know, that's, I think it's an advantage for Colombia as a whole though, having having this rule and having probably the best, uh, one of the best pullers in the world, definitely one of the best uh, uh, female pullers. So I think, yeah, I think there'd be teams who people have that skill set and it's not, adding value to the team. So I think I think that's going to be cool. I know we've had a lot of criticism from uh, French players, and my message <laughs> to them is, don't worry about it. You're not going to be starting on defense very often, okay? <laughs> You're very, I know at least once a game, either the start of the half or second half, you'll have a defensive point, and I'm sure you'll figure out a way somehow. But other than that, there's not going to be too many defensive points, so don't worry about it, France. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shots fired to Gail Ancelot. Let's see if we get any response. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh my god okay um yeah let's, let's, i, I want to talk a little bit about the criticism to this since like i think we've you know given given our take that we're we're supportive of this i'm going to try to give the best criticisms that i've seen as to wh- wh- how this could go wrong and then we can explore what we feel about those i've seen mainly two flavors of opposition to this the first flavor is basically about how mixed women can't pull and and like it's gonna it, it, at, at a certain level there's not enough women who can pull and it's going to really change how we have to play because we don't have that many pullers in the game. We'll talk about that that form of criticism first. But then there's also the second form of criticism, which I think maybe has some validity to it, is that this is like a very prescribed thing about what some players can't do on the field. I think this is one of the first times that there's a rule that says that a player can't do something that like is is happening on the field. So saying that because your gender is the minority gender in this point, you're not allowed to pull. That's like a very prescriptive rule that I don't think that the like the that philosophically is not kind of in the rest of the whiff diff rule set. Um, so yeah, let's talk about those maybe one at a time. The first the first one, I, th- I think the biggest post that happened on this was, was Alan Clement, who was a, is a co- ex-coach of the German mixed team. He would coach them in 2016 and um, has coached some German 
U24 mixed teams as well. And he was basically saying that he was worried that this is going to make some countries not competitive already at the U24 and WGC levels. He thinks that like, yeah, world games, probably teams will be fine. But he says that the women who play mixed right now in all the teams that he's coached, he's had like maybe four to six women who could pull and they were all O-line players. And that he says that this is going to make it, this is going to like, you're going to force either you to put some O-line players on your D-line because you have to get them to pull, which might mess with how competitive you can be. Or it's going to force some people who can't pull very well to have to pull in a big game. And that's going to be embarrassing and not something that they want to do. What do you what do you think about this first set of arguments against the rule? Liam? Yeah, I, I generally d- disagree with both of them pretty, pretty highly. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, like the, the Facebook comments and like Reddit tweets and those kind of social media arguments that tend to be not as good as the stuff I maybe heard on from like the Women in Sports Commission Commission okay. and stuff like that. But I, I, the argument I dislike is that oh, for under twenty fours, you see, I actually see where they're coming from. I think this would take a while to for it to work in those events, and that's why we're not introducing it now. Nor there's nor there's any plans to. But I think about pulling is is a skill that you can learn and practice. Yeah. I remember when I was in college. Uh, definitely my first year I did not pull and then second year in college there was like four of us who were there next year and I was like oh crap I have to pull and like I did I just and I, before practices I'd practiced it loads and I got relatively okay at it I could throw it in the end zone I'm not cannot throw far people know me <laughs> playing well but I did and I did it for years I did it for like two two years then when I started playing with pelt and this stuff I immediately stopped doing it because I wasn't the good best at it and I'm so much worse now if I try to do it now I would suck but I'm sure if I had to again, I would go practice and get better at it. And I think that's something over the next few years, let's say if it was introduced, there's no plans to do it. I think uh, that's something you could train people and tra- people just get better at it. And it, and I think it, I think it'd probably still be a good thing at that level, given people get the notice and opportunity to practice and implement it. But again, there's no plan to do that. So I don't think you can argue that yet. At least not for introducing at World Games. It shouldn't be, let's not introduce the World Games because it could upset you 24s. You know, I don't think that's a, a valid argument for me. I, I, yeah, okay. But I, I do think, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you 100%. But I, I think it could be interesting to think about, do we like this rule in general in Mixed? It's, it's, it's a good thing yeah. to do. And, and I still yeah. think in that case, this is a, the point I, I, I kept coming back to is that the arguments I kept hearing is like, that on the mixed teams I have, we only had four women who could pull. And I'm like, well, how much time did you spend trying to coach them or tell them they need to work on their pulls? Like you could, like you said, in, in a year, you can learn how to pull semi-decently. Like that's, that's something you can do. So for, you know, the next WGC isn't going to be till what, 2020, 2024? Like, if you're if you start telling people, hey, women that want to play on a national team, we need you to learn how to pull from between now and 2024. They'll be pretty good at pulling. The people that are national team level will be pretty good at pulling by 2024. So I, I, I really dislike this idea of like looking at how your current teams have quote unquote pullers as if that's some like innate trait in somebody that they're a puller or not. It's like, no, it's it's a skill you can learn, just exactly like you said. So this just incentivizes women who play mix to learn how to pull. 
And the thing that I have to say to like people saying, oh, at WGC and U24 level, it could mess things up. Well, do they also know that there are women's divisions in, in, in WGC and U24s? And there, 100% of the polling is done by men, by women, sorry. And uh, those games are competitive and fine. So like, I don't know, I really... I really dislike that line of of thinking, even forgetting. Yeah, you can always say this is only world games. It's not going to apply everywhere else. I actually personally think this rule should be everywhere for mixed at 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 international competitive levels. Like, you know, you could argue for beginners leagues or something like that. Maybe this doesn't really work. But for like a whiffed if worlds event or a European event or something, um, it should. I, I think this rule just makes total sense. Go to ratio rule A. Use this prescribed gender rule. I, I like I like both of them. But one argument I also have seen is this upwind downwind thing, and I think this is maybe somewhat interesting. And and I'm, I'm I don't know what your thoughts are here. So the the argument here is that okay, obviously if it's upwind downwind, there's going to be an equal number of upwind women's pulls and upwind men's pulls um, throughout the game among both teams. But by the way, luck goes if we were to accept which i don't accept but for just the cases of this argument if we were to accept this again i don't accept it that like women have you know much weaker pulls upwind then by just the kind of luck the way things balance out in a close game one team might have a significant number of more upwind pulls from one gender compared to what the other team would have with the way this rule works and that that could be seen as a somewhat of a disadvantage. Did, did you hear any any rule any anything like along this line? Yeah, people who were. I, I think I think it's really open to these things. I think these are things you you really learn from when it plays out in real life, and that's why we're yeah. we're testing it. I think. Yeah, I, I I don't see that being a huge issue or deciding games. And like, I think that's as relevant as you know winning the toss and getting the wind or something like that. You know, I think that's maybe something like that applies, but I I don't think it's a, a big issue. I is we chatted about sequence of events in terms of a, a teams could end up where one team has a woman pulling a lot more than another team has a woman pulling. If you end up with this weird sequence, if you like score, then break, and then the other team scores and breaks, you can actually offset that mm -hmm. one. Now, that would also mean that the, the scores are very close and you'd actually have to like break off your, let's say, your woman's pull, hypothetically. So I don't like... If that was happening, it would also mean the game is really close and you're also breaking off those particular pulls. So I don't... Right. You can argue that it's hurting you, but you're also <laughs> sc scoring on the point. So it's kind of a, a weird one. But yeah, I, I like when people come that stuff, I'm definitely very interested to see what their point of view is. And I, I think that's the stuff that you learn from applying it. And like it's stuff that like we're doing it now let's say like i've I've said it at a pelt training or something like that before this is a year ago let's have the women pull let's see what that looks like and it's i, I haven't seen any issues with it yet but uh i i'm very again very open to flaws coming out in the rule and that's what we should be looking for all right <clears throat> so i think that's enough of our thoughts on this topic for right now um, so to our podcast editor claire we're gonna we're gonna have a couple things here that we might have to cut out uh, and to our listeners there, if you're hearing this, then we didn't have to cut it out. First thing that I'm not sure whether we have to cut out or not is that I got I got an inside tip. Depending on whether this is announced or not, by the time the podcast comes out, we'll we'll be able to cut this or not. But that's um, that the European Ultimate Federation has decided that for the EUCF this year, if it happens, 
And for the EUIC, the European Ultimate Indoor Championships, that's scheduled to happen, I think, in March of next year in Denmark. That's uh, the national team's indoor championships. Um, they're going to use ratio rule A, and they're going to use um, the prescribed gender rule pulling. They saw the article, and they were like, and they, you know, they just had their meeting about the gender equity manual, which I'd, I'd like to, I, I still need to learn some more about how that, how that meeting went and, and what came out of that. So we, sh- we should hopefully have some content about that coming up at Ulti World somewhere. This is one of the initiatives they're going for, for increasing gender equity. They liked the rule and they said, yeah, we're just going to use it at the European level. And I've played, I've played AUCF mixed a few times. And I can tell you that all the teams that I played there have women who could pull like that's, that's always been fine. I think it's going to work, work out great at the EUCF level and EUIC for sure. I am shocked and appalled, Ravi. How <laughs> dare, how dare EUF bring in my rule without asking me. This is the bad form. But there needs to be some royalty paid for one. I intend on suing EUF like many a great... For all the money they make off of the rules they use. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like any, many a great person, I'm not threading litigation against uh, against EUF. How dare they use my rule to ask me? Yeah. How dare they? So I, yeah, I'm totally against this. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, interesting that like the first major event is happening out after me trying for so long. Like I guess I didn't or did have an influence against. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty. Again, as you can imagine, I'm pretty for trying it out. My next, I was actually going to uh, solicit you have to do it at European indoors. That was mm-hmm. definitely. Uh, I was looking at events that it might be easy to get in or would. For certain reasons, I was going to, that was one I was targeting. I actually wasn't thinking about UCF. I thought maybe just even the event happening and all the stuff around it, it might be tricky, your team's preparing for it. So I, I'm, I'll be totally stoked if they brought it in. Wouldn't have any issue with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't one that was going to target them, but I was going to target indoors because I guess the, the pull is less relevant indoors. There actually is a skill to pulling indoors because you do have to, if you do with the the UKU rule, which you have to pass through at the imaginary box, there is there is a lot of skill to it. Usually, let's say strength isn't as important. You know what I mean? You're in pretty small fields. O- often you do go for a lot of float and angle and stuff like that. I think like looking back on it, I know I didn't maybe pay enough attention at the time. We both commentated at the last European kind of indoor championships. I think majority of times the big teams it was men's pulling. I don't remember women pulling in that, but I think that's something that. You know, teams would be fine with it. But again, it's another thing that you see women being involved in a certain aspect of the sport, which they're not. And I think I think it'd be a good thing. I think you might be less pushed back at an event like that in terms of trying it out. So I'd definitely like to see it there. And even, yeah, I thought maybe that would be difficult or too soon for the European Ultimate uh, community to get that in. But I think particularly that group brought together for the gender equity manual and that sort of thing, if they're for it, why not? Let's do it. I'm, I'm stoked to do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if there's going to be pushback from others is my question. So yeah, that's the thing. You, you kept saying like, <clears throat> we're trying it out at, at World Games. I mean, obviously I'm not 100% sure. Maybe it has some disastrous implications that I haven't thought of. I really tried to think through this whole thing. I really think this is going to be one of those things that like, we try it out and we realize, oh yeah, this is good. This is fine. Let's just do this everywhere. And it's going to easily, it's just going to trickle down after the World Games trial, but, but we will see. Yeah. So it looks like it will happen in Europe. Another segment that we may or may not be cutting out. So if you're listening to this, we didn't have to cut it out. Uh, Liam and I tried to approach some of the women that we predicted 
would maybe be pulling at the World Games due to this rule and, and to get their takes on how they feel about it, because it is impacting them more than anybody else. We'll go to that if we are. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, we've talked about it enough. So let's let's hear let's hear what they have to say. Hi, this is Alin Rastamondio. I usually play for the French women team. And I would like to try out and take part of the Team France for the World Games. Concerning this new pooling rule with a gender with four players on the field who must pull, I think it's a good thing and a really good effort to offer more visibility to our women athletes. As I used to play on the women's scene, I know women can be as powerful and smart on pooling strategies than men. So um, let's try it with no fear. Now I'm curious to see how the staff will manage with their teams because they will need women defensive players with, uh, as I said, one arm and not only two legs. But it's already the case on the women division and if it's not the case for one country, I know it's never too late to work on it. Hey, I'm Rachel Turton from Great Britain, and I think that the new gender pulling rule is an absolutely fantastic idea. Women are really underrepresented in the media anyway, and so enforcing a rule that will help to showcase female athletes I think is a really good idea. Pulling isn't necessarily about who can throw the furthest, there's also a lot of skill involved. Um, whether it's needing a roller pull, it wants to go out the side, or whether you need to land it in a specific place to be able to set up your defence. There's a lot of different skills involved in it, and I think that either gender is more than capable of being able to do that well. So I think it's important that we have both genders represented, especially at the highest level, um, like things like World Games. I think it's really good that the UF wants to introduce it as well, and I think that hopefully it will trickle down into the the lower lower tiers of play as well um you can't be what you can't see so having women doing these things and showcasing that for for future is is really handy as well i pulled for gb women in 2016 and since then i've played a lot of mixed and i don't really think i've had the opportunity to pull since i'm not really sure why i could probably pull better than some of the men that pulled on the teams that i play for but it's definitely um Maybe stereotyped a little bit that men tend to pull for mixed. Um, I haven't seen a lot of women pulling for mixed so far, but it's definitely something that I would like to see. And I think it's great that we're working towards that. Wow, some great info there. Well, really brilliant material, which at this point we've yet to hear, but I've no doubt was top quality stuff. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, we've talked, we talked about this rule enough. Like we said, we're both for gender pulling. Um, I think it's going to be a good success. So good on you, Liam. Great, great fight you did there getting this through. And strip hand signal is next, Whiff Diff. We're, we're coming for that. Ruben Berg, I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> Last little bit, actually, I wanted to mention before we, we end the show is that um, Fanseat and Eurosport India have got a deal where they're going to be broadcasting the AUDL game of the week. And 
I don't know. I guess this is kind of cool as another incentive to get the fancy subscription for people who don't have it that are already watching European Ultimate there. I don't like the ADL, so I'm just talking to Fancy. Like, if you want me to subscribe to Fancy, talk to USA Ultimate. And if you can get those ESPN games live streamed so that, like, it's always such a hassle to watch those games <laughs> from Europe. Sometimes, like, the ESPN stream, you have a European availability. Sometimes we're, like, watching somebody Twitch stream it or something like that. But if there was, like, some just legit way to watch the USAU big tournaments, uh, I'd be all for that. But yeah, Eurosport India is huge. I think that's a much bigger deal than than Fancy. They got they have lots of viewers, so that should be interesting. Any any tips to you? I, I really just don't like the AUDL, so I don't have that much to say about this. <laughs> yeah, that Fancy's still going. Phil, <laughs> that's in, the headline here. <laughs> I can't. If anyone is not unsubscribed, I'm shocked. There's definitely there's definitely someone out there that's still playing for the Fancy subscription, <laughs> just not noticing like the twelve. Well, how much is it? Like eight euro a year. They have a new one. They have a new thing that's like five year. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna chill for fancy too much on an L2 World podcast. But yeah, I think they, I think there's like a five year or not month option now or something. But yeah, I, my my subscription's not been renewed for a little while. <laughs> the biggest bummer I have about that is that it's it's hard to watch the because uh, the 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 GB versus Germany men's game is that's the only way you can watch it is on fancy and I like that game a lot and it's a bummer can't watch that anywhere else. Do you, do you watch that like every week? Do you go home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every Saturday night, you just lashed it on again and just relived your commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta do something, man. You have, you have any good quarantine content? Any, anything you've been watching? Oh, yeah. We've we, been really busy vaccinating. We haven't done this in a while, have we? We haven't chatted about <laughs> what we've been watching. I'm going to go on my Netflix now and try to remember what I've been watching. <laughs> I just started watching Final Space, which... Uh, I have no idea what that is. It's like a show on Netflix. Um, is it good? It's one of those things you watch and it's easy to put down. You know, it's, easy, it's, it's, it's a really easy one to stop watching. <laughs> it's a great recommendation. I guess. <laughs> uh, a show I have been watching, but you probably won't have any interest in, is a show called Reeling in the Years, which is an Irish TV show where they just look back over a decade so like one series is the 70s and it's just like a it's like a history lesson but they do like really good music from that decade if you ever heard of the flight facilities decade remixes it's like that but a tv show and they just had a new season there but yeah maybe it's it's quite it's and every irish person's favorite tv show i think is called reeling in the years okay it's like you can like find free ones on youtube it's great we learn about irish history if you want <laughs> for all the brits out there who know nothing about all the terrible things they did to us uh you can watch <laughs> so reading the years and listen to some funky 70s music and find out about the troubles in northern ireland <laughs> so there's a recommendation for you all right i've been watching there's this it's 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 kind of an old show, but I think it's on its like eleventh season now. Called Shameless, you hear this show? It's like it's it, about it's about there was a British version and there's an American version. Okay. I'm watching the American version. Oh, oh, what a terrible start! I actually have seen the British version. Yeah, I hate Very when they good. I hate when they do this because the only thing I do like about Britain, which is I like very few things about Britain, but is. <laughs> They're kind of like comedy shows, like Peep Show. I like The Office. And then, like, I, I hate it so much that America comes in. It's like, this is good. We're just going to take everything good about it and shove it full of stuff that's terrible of American shows. <laughs> like, way too many seasons are yeah. way more, I'm not saying PC, but just, I don't know, way more American. And it's just, they often ruin shows. 
Well, I'm interested to see because like the way the way too many seasons thing is definitely it's stretching on a bit, but I'm kind of like invested. So I'm like getting through it, but I'm about to get to the end of season nine and I've looked on Rotten Tomatoes and like every season of Shameless is like really, really well rated, like like 90 plus percent or whatever. And then season 10 is like 30 percent. And so I'm really curious, like now I just want to watch to see like what's going to happen this next season that like all the critics hated and how it's, the show's going to turn really bad. So I'm actually kind of like fondly looking forward to that, to seeing how, the, how they're going to ruin this show that, I, that I've actually really liked a lot so, so far. It's a really cool show. It's like, for people who haven't seen it, it's like about um, not even like working class, like really poor, a really poor family with an alcoholic dad and, and kind of dealing with that, which is I think a thing a lot of people you know, that listen to this show probably aren't as familiar with people at that at that class level. So um, I've been finding it really you know, interesting. And William H. Macy plays the the drunk dad. And I think he's, he's pretty he's pretty funny. And like at parts you hate him at parts you feel bad for him. And it like shows it's really kind of nuanced how how you look at at the whole thing. It, it, it shows you this like sometimes the people are dicks, um, but they've like had such a shit like upbringing that it's kind of you understand why they're a dick and you kind of have this conflict in your head like you're being a dick. I don't like you. But I get why you're a dick. And it's, that, that's that to me, it happens a lot in real life that like when you meet somebody and they're an asshole and you you don't, you know, you have some problem with that. But then you're like, oh, but I get the context of why you got here. And like you try to feel, you kind of feel bad for them and you have to wrestle with this. Like, do is, I hate is, you or do I feel bad for you? Is and, this a throwback to the Facebook comments about gender pulling? Is this what? The- <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you making that connection? I think I'm missing. I'm missing <laughs> also having never watched either show the british one is definitely better and you should watch watch <laughs> the original yeah I'll, I'll put that in having watched neither I, i've definitely seen like some bits of shameless back when like we didn't have netflix and it was on the telly because it's quite old actually yeah yeah the british one's super old and then the the american one yeah i think is, is about 10 years old at this point so when it started anyways it's still going on um i'm also re-watching scrubs which was like one of my favorite uh comedy shows back back when it came out and there's they, another another a podcast is that uh zach braff who played jd and, and donald Faison, who played turk have a podcast called fake doctors real friends were there re-watching the show and like talking about it 20 years later and like I'm, i really like the podcast and also, also there's two other people in the podcast that weren't from the show and it's a really nice personality podcast where they kind of go through and, and so i've been re-watching that because my girlfriend had never seen it before so we're kind of re-watching it together as i listen to the rewatch podcast that's some other quarantine content if you're trying to get through the last couple months of uh hopefully yeah, last couple there, months there's way better stuff than this podcast is what we're trying to say you know if you're listening <laughs> to this you've been scraping the bottom of the barrel for a while now and here's a list of things that are better to do <laughs> <laughs> all right i think that'll do it for this episode of eurozone i've been ravi vasudevan i've been liam grant and we will e you later Bye.